0: best entrepreneurs, the ones that don't just learn to build a business where they get a job working for themselves, but they learn to build something substantial.
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams.
0: For me it depends on like normally i feel like i'm a pretty intelligent cursor i use it to to accentuate what i'm saying but every now and then when i've had a few too many uh few too many beers <laughs> yeah. i forget the rest of the the uh the alphabet and the vocabulary it's just those ones that's all i remember so mine's when i'm when i'm playing rugby
1: and then all ah. the all the curse words come out because that's how you play yeah. rugby with curse words it's part of the game, right you know what so. makes you run
0: faster Yes.
1: <laughs> Just like my shoe, my shoes, my fast shoes. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We'll get rolling here. Let's do it. All right, guys. I got Carson Porter today. He's the founder and owner of Red. Why do I keep saying Red? Agency I know. syndicate. Rev. 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 <laughs> like your fast shoes. 70 plus episodes have not had it. A- this is much of an issue with the intro. Yeah, dude, just be like,
0: I've got Carson. He's Caucasianist, <laughs>
1: but we going to talk for he's a minute. He's Caucasian. He's rich. Listen to the man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I got Carson Porter today. He's the founder of Rev Agency Syndicate, they coach insurance agents how to develop skills and grow their business. He's also a general agent himself at High Point Insurance and advisors. Uh, He left home at 18 to sell satellite TV door-to-door, worked all over the U.S., transitioned into insurance, and led some of the biggest carriers in the nation for life insurance and annuity sales year after year. Using a similar model, he went on to grow and sell not just one, but two insurance agencies over the course of his career. This all led to his purpose at Rev Agency Syndicate, leading others in insurance through coaching, consulting, and speaking. Carson, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Thanks for having me, man.
1: Absolutely, man. So let's just get started in the beginning. You know, like, how did you start out knocking doors? How did that come about?
0: Um, you know, like most kids end up knocking doors, um, especially in the community I grew up in. I grew up in a finished high school in a, a small community in southern Utah where there's lots of Mormons, frankly, and, and knocking doors as a Mormon is uh, is a pretty... Um, pretty normal thing. So you could say, you know, the kind of social norm, uh, was already preset for that. But, um, but I wanted out of that town, man. I just wanted out any way I could get it. And one of my buddies, his older brother had done some door to door stuff, Mm -hmm. um, primarily on the technician side and they were getting ready to head out for another summer office. They called it in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was like, sign me up. So, graduated you know we hit grad night partied real hard and the next morning bright and early I was on the road for Fort Wayne Indiana and didn't look back so
1: I guess what what made you capitalize on an opportunity like that uh, I know that like in your profile you talked a little bit about you know your parents struggling with money and stuff like that when you're growing up was it kind of that allure of hey I can go and make a, a bunch of money or was it more go and hang out with my boys
0: um Kind of a little bit of, of both and everything, right? So, um, you know, we grew up pretty, uh, what, what's a good way to put it? We, we didn't grow up with money, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I want to make sure I'm kind to of my parents because they're really good people, but but we didn't have money. Um, and that was always something that I saw that it's not like money's everything and money doesn't buy happiness, but try and buy anything in this world without it including your own time back, you don't even get your own time back without money. And so I recognized very early that money was important. And I don't need to be, you know, a billionaire and, and this and that and the other, but I want to have enough of it to where money does not control me. It's not the reason I make decisions. I make decisions for fit on my values and my focus, as opposed to can I afford it, right? Right. And even uh, at 18, that's I was having the inklings of, of these ideas. And so certainly it was a, a revenue opportunity that I felt like I couldn't pass up, you know, my buddy's older brother had gone out the the summer before and, you know, it, it wasn't huge money, but for an 18 year old kid to go out and in three months, make 20, 30,000 bucks, that's, that's pretty crazy. You know, that's, yeah, that's pretty huge. That's what my old man was making after years in in his industry. Right. And, and so it's like, man, that's, what an opportunity! And then at the same time, it's yeah, let's let's get the hell out of Dodge, and hang out with the buddies. Let's go across the United States, drink beer, have bonfires, and do everything in between. So it was a great time. There was a lot of allure to it, um, but I'm I'm glad I made the decision to do it. It opened my eyes to a lot of things. So
1: yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And we had a a, a connect call the other day. Yeah, we uh, just just chopped it up over some coffee. And uh, you talked about how when you first got the opportunity to get into insurance, you utilized that door to door model. Can you talk about that transition a little bit?
0: Yeah. So when I got into insurance, um, in a lot of ways, I was I was dropped on my face. And again, this isn't to to shit talk. The people that brought me into insurance, they just they were not equipped with the uh, training and managerial tools that I felt like I needed. Right. And so I had to go elsewhere to find those. Thank God for Google and YouTube. Um, I think Gary V is the one that, that talks about it all the time, but, uh, uh you know, the, the best dictionary, the best teacher, the best mentor in the world, first place, Google and YouTube. Yeah. Why would you not be there? Right. Um, but yeah, we were, we got into insurance and I was failing. I was falling flat on my face. Um, which, which sucked, right? We were on the verge of bankruptcy foreclosure. Uh, I'm not going to say we were on the way to divorce, but we weren't tracking a very good um, relationship at the time, primarily because we were fighting about money. We had a brand new baby and just everything felt like it was falling apart. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying there mostly naked in bed. I've got some new balances on it's 3am. Don't ask me why I had shoes on. <laughs> and staring at the ceiling. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell do I do? I just remember being in this like pit of despair, right? And the thing that just kept coming back to my mind was, was something that my, my grandpa had actually taught me years ago, which was if you'll show up and do all you, you know to be good, right, and true, and do the work, if you'll just show up and do that, everything else will work itself out. Mm-hmm. So I caught this line of thought as I'm laying there. And I started asking myself, well, what is the work? And I realized I have no fucking clue. (laughs) I have no clue. But what I also realized and what I remembered, and this, you know, goes back to my door knocking days is that no matter how desperate or destitute those days got, because even though we were young kids making good money, we were young kids spending good money too. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of days where, I'd made, you know, I'm an 18 year old kid and I'm not even paying for rent because the, the company I'm knocking doors for is comping my apartment for the summer because mm-hmm. I'm hitting my goals. Right. But somehow making 10, $15,000 a month, I can't even put gas in my pickup truck. Yeah. And and I remember going back to those thoughts. Well, what did I do? I went and banged doors. I did something. And in two, three hours a day, that's it. I could guarantee that if I went and did that, if I went and put my hand in somebody else's, introduced myself, and had an empathetic conversation, actually gave a damn about what they were talking about, Mm -hmm. I would get the opportunity to talk about what I wanted to talk about. And I'd have an opportunity to make a transaction happen, whether that was Dish Network or later on, you know, security sales, home security systems. Mm -hmm. And so I went about applying that to, to insurance. I just said, you know what, I can't control anything else. But I can control my effort. And so I woke up the next day, got dressed, got ready, and went out and hit the doors. And that first day sucked. I don't think I got a single person that was interested. I was probably out for two, three hours. But it's because I had no, I had no experience doing that for insurance. I didn't know what to say. I just knew if I showed up, I'd figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, as I laid there in bed after the first day, thinking, my God, is this worth it? I just kept thinking, yeah, all the conversations you had were conversations. They just weren't relevant conversations, but you're the one that didn't bring the relevancy to the table. So the next morning I got up and instead of hitting the doors, first thing, I spent a couple hours sitting out by this, this little lake there in in, uh, Southern Utah called Baker Dam Reservoir. Beautiful little spot. There used to be nobody there. Now it's full of a bunch of hippies and yuppies and whatever, but, um, but it used to be a really great thinking spot for me. So I'm sitting there, overlooking the lake and it's it's you know a little chilly and i just start writing out a plan you know i remember when i was knocking doors something i used to teach people when we were knocking doors for like security is that you had to lead the conversation with questions that's sales 101 yeah. right but i remember teaching them that my questions uh, the way i designed my questions and the reason i was having success on the doors wasn't because I just had questions. It wasn't just willy-nilly and I wasn't just asking them, you know, the, the basic generic stuff. My questions were set up like guardrails, like guardrails at a at a little kitty ride at Disneyland. Yeah. And the conversation is that go-kart in between. And that go-kart can go anywhere it wants in between those rails, but those rails are there. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact that because my questions are structured this way at, at some point or another, that conversation is going to get from point A to point B. It can't get turned around. It can't this, it can't that. It might get tripped up. It might slow down, but it is going to end there. Right. right. And so with that in mind, I started developing some conversations with questions around insurance. And then later that afternoon, I took those questions and I decided, Hey, like I'm already burned out. My brain hurts yesterday freaking fried me, but I'm going to go hit some doors. I'm going to knock 50 doors. If nobody answers, that's okay. I'll knock 50 more tomorrow, but 50's it. That's my number, right? So I went out and hit my 50 doors. And in 50 doors, I ended up putting together, it was like 11 or 12 qualified leads, not just a name and a phone number, but somebody I had a conversation with right. who knew I was in insurance and knew I was going to call them the next day to get information about their current insurance and give them some quotes. And I was like, holy shit. I knocked 50 doors. I got 10, 11 leads. That's more leads than I picked up in the last three months combined. I, the next day call those leads mm-hmm. and I end up getting information to run quotes with like eight of those people. I mean, super high conversion rate, right? right. I'm like, holy shit. There's something to this, I think. Mm-hmm. And so then I just made it part of my day. Every single day I was going to go knock doors and I upped that to a hundred doors a day. So every day I'm going to knock a hundred doors. I'm going to call on my leads from yesterday and then I'm going to run my quotes and do my appointments, right? And that's all I did. Well, within 90 days, you know, within 30 days, I started cash flowing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Within 60 days, I was starting to pay back and pay off some of those credit cards. Within 90 days, I got so far ahead financially doing this, mm-hmm. I was able to make my first hire. My first hire, everybody told me, you need a customer service representative. But I looked at it and I was like, shit, I'm good at this paperwork stuff. It takes me 20 minutes to bang it out after hours. That's it. Right. Instead yeah. of hiring that, I'm going to hire someone else to bang doors with me. I want, I want revenue first. That's where my moral obligation lies. Yeah, I hired another door knocker and um, started having him knock doors with me. And I mean, he was a trip, but it ended yeah. up being a, a really good relationship and him and I developed a good friendship over it o- over the course of time. He knocked doors for me for years. Yeah, um, And we just kept rolling through time. It, it grew into a, a sales team in this small town of, Nine, 10 people banging doors all day, every day. I started sending them across the state and into other states to bang doors um, mm-hmm. for insurance. We ended up leading several carriers uh, for years and years on production for, like I say, life insurance and annuities. We even did very well with the home and auto, the property casualty stuff, all from door knocking. But that all spawned or goes back to that moment in time where. You know, I'm an 18 year old kid that just wanted to drink some beer and go hang out with my buddies and <laughs> learn to bang doors. So,
1: no, that's beautiful. I love that story, especially the part about where you're, it's 3am, you're laid up in bed, you know, you're, you and your wife are headed to divorce, bankruptcy, the the, the typical story, right, that yep. you end up there. And uh, sometimes it's in those low points where we basically, we get the most creative, right? Um, you know, early, early in my career, my favorite times were, were all the challenges and everything because I had to be creative to overcome them, you know. And as you get older and older, you have less challenges because you're more experienced and you, you know, you're able to deploy systems better and stuff like that. But, you know, every now and then you, you come across these huge challenges that you can't get past or you're in that moment of despair it's where you're, you're, you're most creative. You know, you almost try to recreate it. It's kind of like, you know, why we recreate pain is to, yeah. is to ignite that creativity again, you know, whether that's,
0: it's. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to cut you no, off. You're good. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's, that's exactly what I've found over time as I've gotten into higher and higher spheres and circles of influence, mm-hmm. um, networking with entrepreneurs like yourself and, and others. Is that the best entrepreneurs, the ones that don't just learn to build a business where they get a job working for themselves, right? But they learn to build something substantial, right? They, uh, whether they, they are as an intentional about it as we're talking or, or not, what they end up doing is remembering or, or being in those moments of despotism and being forced to become creative mm-hmm. and they recognize how productive that was. And so in the future going forward, even though times may not be that desperate, they put themselves into desperate situations and desperate, desperate mindsets, mm-hmm. um, to, again recreate that creativity on an ongoing basis and and it's a different kind of desperate right it's not desperate or or destitute in the sense like it was before but there's a reason why one of the most effective ways to plan for a business owner or for partners isn't to sit down in your office and do it right go get a hotel in a new city in a new place where you have no friends nothing going on and even though you can afford the hotel 10 times over and there's a beach right outside the window you're going to go hang out at as soon as you're done. Mm-hmm. You're in a weird place. It feels a little uncomfortable. There's people around you having conversations you have nothing uh, to do with. And it puts you in this place where you can reconnect to this moment of, of creativity mm-hmm. uh, out of necessity. And it allows you to to go so much further forward and faster, which is really, really cool. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. So... So you
1: recognize you have this ability already from your days in door to door. You execute on that ability again and then the first thing you say is okay, I need to hire everybody else says customer service, but you stick to your gut, you hire the appointment setter essentially the the, the setter in, in your model at that time and then it's just like wildfire from there. And that's kind of what is that is that what led you to becoming a uh, a national leader in life insurance sales or did you start adding in other other marketing mediums at that point?
0: Um, we started doing some other things, but at that time it was primarily that, um, what we did, we would knock doors for like home and auto insurance. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and with the cost load to have somebody knock a door and pay, pay them for it. And I didn't make any money selling the home and auto insurance up front. So it was, it was almost what we call a loss leader. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But we also use that same process of developing quality conversations in those guardrails to ensure the efficiency and efficacy of a cross sell to life insurance and retirement planning, right. that's where I made all my money. That's where I recognize, okay, well, I can get in front of people with home and auto, but I can't make money on it because I can't scale it enough, and there's not enough revenue in the first year in it. Right. All the revenue is in residual on the back end, right? right? But I can make my revenue. I can cash flow everything I need off of this life insurance and and retirement planning conversation. And so we've mm-hmm. got to get really, really good at cross-selling that. And so industry standards on those cross-sells are in the single digits. Um, I mean, gotcha. it's pretty low. You have a hundred clients, you're going to do life insurance and or something retirement planning with 10 or fewer. And, um, you know, at the time we weren't as good as we were by the time we we left that particular company mm-hmm. uh, and opened up an independent <laughs> agency. But right off the bat with the intentionality behind Designing those conversations, we were in the 30 to 40 percentile oh, wow. um, oh, wow. on that conversion rate. Yeah, and you're time right. we left,
1: it is very segmented. You know, yeah. I, I know some of the top home and auto people in South Texas, and they're they're not the top, you know, life insurance and financial planning people. You know, that's a completely different section. It's very segmented.
0: Yeah, you guys so are able what,
1: to bridge that.
0: Yeah, we bridge that. And and it's not like because you can't, you cannot be the best at everything, right? right? But if you're willing to scale, hire, train, and maintain a team, your team can be mm-hmm. the best at everything in that sector. And so we had home and auto specialists. Uh, myself, I led our, our life insurance and retirement planning um, section of our, our agency. And it was almost like having multiple businesses within one business. And we all trained and, and, and worked together and coordinated and cooperated to make sure that, that again, effectively we could cross sell, whether I brought someone in for life insurance, let's make sure they get home and auto Mm -hmm. or vice versa. By the time we left, that cross sell ratio was approaching 80%. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we have that same hundred people come in the door for home and auto insurance, we're going to get 80 of those um, to do life insurance and or retirement planning with us. So that's, that's where we started doing really, really well, um, on even a national level with those things was just realizing that we've already got the opportunities in our door. They already know, like, and trust us for one thing. Right. All we have to do is, is exactly what everyone else is already doing. Just the agents, you know, mm-hmm. right. What are they doing when someone brings up, Oh, Hey, do you life? And do you do life insurance instead of Instead of them saying, you know what? I personally don't, but we've got someone here in our agency that does. They're saying, no, we don't, but I've got an agency that does. They refer it. Right. They don't monetize that moment. They don't do anything about it. When in reality, they could increase. I mean, the numbers are staggering. Right? Yeah. If we get into like just home auto life, and, and we're not even talking the like cash value, life insurance, whole life, infinite banking, just term right. life insurance, right? Right with just adding term life insurance through a, a quality conversation or a quality conversion to a home and auto account, mm-hmm. you can triple your first year revenue per account on average. And that's based on industry averages for premium dollars, which is how insurance agents are paid. They're paid a percentage of premium. Right. Okay. But that's insane. If you could have half your households coming in, triple the revenue mm-hmm. in the first year, how much more effectively could you run an agency, grow an agency, scale an agency? Yeah, yeah so. And,
1: and, and so many people are focused on that individual sale, that product, and then scaling that individual sale versus, uh, you know, the two the two big things I got from that part of the conversation was, one, you recognize your strengths and, and your weaknesses, right? Which, when you hired the setter, it wasn't necessarily that you were weak at that. It was more that, hey, I'm good at the you know, the the paperwork, the admin side, the closing side. So I recognize my strength and weakness. And then you did it again when you took on, uh, what was it, life insurance and retirement planning yourself Mm -hmm. and then had everybody else do the home and auto as a leader into that, right? And then the the second thing is keeping everything in-house. You know, the longer you can keep a customer under your roof and the more things you can offer them in your home, your business necessarily, the ROI on that customer is so much better, Right. I think uh, Brandon Brittingham talks about it all the time. He went from being the real estate agent to being the real estate agent in the title company to also adding on mortgages to adding on home building to adding on insurance. I mean, it just one thing after another. Now this one customer has a $20,000 lifetime value versus a, a $1,000 lifetime value, you know, because right. you're keeping them, keeping them owning the whole transaction versus just a piece of it.
0: Well, then you have so many additional points of, of revenue opportunity. If you figure, if all I'm going to do is, for example, in, in this example, we're talking home and auto insurance. If that's the only line of business that I have with that customer, that's all they can refer to me for. And the only people they can refer to me are people that they feel like are in that, their network that have a need for home and auto insurance. But if mm-hmm. they have home and auto insurance, life insurance, health insurance, dental insurance, they're doing this with me, they're doing that with me, they're doing these other things with me, all of a sudden... I become that connection point for everything. So that's actually something we teach our agents. Mm-hmm. We go above and beyond insurance. We get into, let's refer out mortgages. Let's refer out to realtors. Let's refer out to the solar guys. Let's refer out to auto repair technicians. Let's refer to, to anything and everything. And let's learn to monetize each of those moments. It doesn't have to be significant. Right. But if you're an auto repair shop and I send you a $3,000 valve job that mm-hmm. you know my, my client called me to ask, hey will my insurance cover, you know, fixing my engine? Cause it's, it's, I think it's broke. They always do by the way. And no, your insurance doesn't cover it, but they need an auto repair shop. If I've got an auto repair shop, that's willing to pay me five bucks to take excellent care of my customer. Right. My customer is going to be thrilled about the quality referral. Mm-hmm. We're going to get an extra five bucks. We didn't have for doing work we were going to do anyways. And now every time they have somebody that needs, uh any automotive work done they're going to that shop and who's that shop referring them to when they do have an insurance need right right back to us so there's so many so many additional lines of revenue Mm -hmm. by just increasing the depth of our service base but in order to do that again you've got to be willing to invest into your business and, and what you're doing because you can't do it all your time your energy even your ability to retain knowledge and be excellent at a thing Right. It's all finite and mm-hmm. you've got to be willing to spend the money to bring in other experts, not, not bullshit. $10 an hour people, right? That's not going to grow your business. You've got to bring in experts. So
1: no, that makes a lot of sense. And then the referrals become exponential at that point, yeah. you know, and it's like you're saying having a small piece of a shit ton of business versus a a big piece of just your business is, is a game changer, you know? Yeah. So you you spoke a little bit about how y'all lead your agents to that multiple revenue stream, the exponential referrals and stuff like that. At at what point, what was the pivot point at which you were like, Hey, I've built something amazing here and I can teach others how to build it without it being like, Oh, I'm helping the
0: competition. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I've always, maybe, maybe not always, but, but one thing that bothered me, this goes clear back to auto repair, right? Is that we're in this small town and nobody wants, you know, some of the, the national brand quick lube places doing the, the heavy work like motor jobs and, and that kind of stuff. But all the independent Mon Posh shops are so busy shit talking each other back and forth. The consumer mentality around Mon Posh shops is downgraded so far. All of a sudden they're over it at quick lube, you know, X, Y, Z getting a motor job done by somebody that has no business doing it because right. those types of businesses are, they don't always hire the most qualified people for that. Right? right. It was like, Holy shit. If we would all just like, there's so much work to do here. Yeah. If we would all just talk each other up, we'd probably all have more work and make more revenue. And so I was having these thoughts clear back in, in the auto repair days um, growing up that way. When I got into insurance, I started thinking the same thing. Like every in I've never heard, uh, it's becoming more popular recently, but I like to think I'm part of that change. Um we've been pushing really hard on even a global level in global organizations to change insurance agents' perspectives about other insurance agents mm-hmm. um, and and we've been very active and involved in that, but but when I first started, everywhere you went, you know, all states talking shit on state farm and state farms talking shit on farmers and farmers is talking shit on American National and everybody's talking shit on somebody else in between. yeah, it's like no they're all another version of the same crap. They're all regulated and held to the same standards and, and this and that and the other, and you get in an accident and you have a quarter million dollars in coverage. Geico's quarter million pays the same as state farms, quarter million and their quarter million is like, you know, we don't have to shit talk or, or downgrade each other um, in the consumer mind to go further faster. So that was, that seed's always kind of been planted. I haven't ever felt um. a a scarcity mindset, I guess is is what it comes to always felt very abundant in that way. There's so much to go around. If, if we all just collude together, we'll all get more, frankly. Um, I started, this was clear back in 2018. I started Mm -hmm. coaching a few people on the side. I, because of the success we were having, my phone was blowing up with people calling me, what are you doing? Yeah. And I was taking calls, um, from from agents all over the country at the time, spending two, three, four hours a day on the phone. And it started to cut into my ability to get things done in my agency mm-hmm. that I needed to do. And so I said, okay, well, if I'm going to spend the time on the phone, which I recognize I really enjoyed doing, I need to be able to hire somebody else. But if I'm going to do that, I got to pay for it with revenue. So I got to start charging for this. Right. So I started charging people one-on-one call for one-on-one calls, you know, it was like a thousand bucks a month or something like that. And, um, every week we would get on the phone for an hour, but it got to the point where I'm talking to 20, 30 agents every single week. And you're like, you're dealing with that many people who all have their own problems. And I'm just like
1: exhausted. Now now it's, uh, now you're going from being the setter and the closer to actually building on a business again, (laughs) you know, you're like restarting the whole journey.
0: And doing it in 20 different places, 20 different states, 20 different, it's just, it was exhausting. And so that's what made me sit down and and reimagine, okay, I really love this helping other agents, probably because I didn't get the help I felt like I needed. Right. And I was in a lot of ways left to twist in the breeze in that regard, right? Your purpose is igniting now. Exactly. And so uh, I really loved it. I feel like I'm good at it. I'm a good teacher. I have an ability to make complicated things seem pretty easy and simple and um, to get some people fired up about it and to do it in a relevant way. Most of the insurance industry and finance industries is very antiquated and old. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were able to have a little more relevant conversation with a younger crowd that's taking over the business, frankly. And, and I really enjoyed it. So we went to work figuring out how could we, do this, and the answer actually came through looking at um, the Apex organization and what they've been able to do as far as being able to scale um, quality information to so many people yeah. without it without it consuming all of your time and energy, mm-hmm. right? And so, as a as a part of the Apex community, I was able to look at that and say, okay, well, how can we do something similar in our own space? We're not out to compete with Apex we're out to compliment apex, frankly, in regards to insurance agents and financial advisors. And, and so we started building a community around that. And um, over the course of time here, it's turned into a community of thousands that were able to reach out, help. I mean, I get 10, 15, 20, 30 DMS a day anymore where somebody's like, Oh my God, you're changing my life. Oh my God, this, Oh my God, that. And, And what they're referencing is a video we put in the community six, eight, 10 months ago, but because of the way that it's built, that video is still there. It's relevant. It's being talked about. It's being referenced um, at the appropriate time for that person and using more than anything social media algorithms to make sure we deliver the right content to the right people at the right time, Mm -hmm. which is crazy insane. And, and the algorithm is already there. Facebook and Instagram have spent billions developing this stuff. Yeah, Why do I need to go reinvent the wheel as opposed to just understanding how the wheel turns and using that to make sure that we can help more people, right? So
1: is your, is your platform based on a Facebook group or do you have a separate platform that they log into for all um, their education?
0: So both, both. We have uh, multiple components. We have like training modules and videos. We do live calls um, every single week as a group um, and, and some other components, but we also have this community component. Mm-hmm. Our community component, it's hosted right on Facebook. We looked at, again, some of the efficacy of, of moving it off Facebook, but the reality is as much as people want to say Facebook's on its way out, it's still King Daddy Kong as far as where people, especially professionals, are spending their time. Absolutely. Professionals don't spend time on LinkedIn. You go on LinkedIn for five minutes in case you want to be recruited or recruit somebody. That's it. Yeah. Professionals don't spend their professional time on TikTok even. They're going to spend their time at 10 p.m. when you know the missus has fallen asleep and they're half drunk, Yeah, flipping through stuff. And they're not there to engage in a professional manner. Dude, they're Facebook, not in that headspace. Yeah. Exactly. Facebook, they're still there. They're looking for clients on Facebook. They're engaging with other professionals. Average user session is like twenty three minutes, four times per day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. That's King Daddy Kong. So if they're already there, why am I trying to move them somewhere else? I've I've seen several other communities try to move to their own app or their own their own platform, their own forum. Yeah, and those communities end up falling apart and coming right back to to Facebook, right? So, so yeah, we we host a lot of it there. But then, as far as all of our training and and all of that stuff. Um, all of it gets recorded and and archived in their member portals. So mm-hmm. they have member portals right from the Facebook groups. They can link right over to it. We just uh, hang it as an iframe. And they're able to go back and forth between the two without any issues. When we do our, our live calls, we run them as Zoom calls uh, because it's one of the easiest platforms to get multiple people in, in one place talking. Right. But we always live stream it back into the group. So we complete this circle of engagement, frankly.
1: No, that makes where, a, lot
0: of, a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it goes a long, long ways. And I think it's a very efficient and effective way to do things. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. So kind of getting binary again, you know, because this, a lot of this conversation is about insurance. That's your your background and everything. The average insurance rep, right? Maybe they're, they're tapping on six figures, uh, whether it's home and auto or they're doing life or they're doing financial planning. Uh, products that that sit around insurance. What what do you feel like is something that uh, a piece of advice that you can give them right now that'll kind of take them to that next level to that multiple six figure income? What are they missing most of the time?
0: Yeah, I I think so. A few things. Number one, the average insurance agent makes less than thirty thousand dollars a year. So okay. it's a little bit of a misconception, and that's that's because majority of the industry actually ends up failing out in the first 24 months. In fact, 92% fail out in the first 24 months. So that brings that average down. That makes sense. Brings it down significantly. So for the 8% that make it, their average income is 80 to 100,000 a year, right? Uh So I think there's different reasons or different things everybody can do at these different levels. And that's actually how we built our program. We we solve for four problems. The first problem is you're simply not in front of enough people, right? And so we talk a lot about Marketing. You don't need sales training. You don't need to learn that, you know, if you're a pretty lady, put your hand on a dude's lap and he's more likely to buy from you. That's some 1980s bullshit. Right. Right. You don't need that. You need to simply be in front of enough people. So we need to spend all of our time and energy figuring out how to get five new qualified leads per day, five days a week. End Mm -hmm. of story. If we're underneath that, then then we have issues. Once we've got to that point, now we need to, without stopping, that marketing or that prospecting activity, we need to start developing more quality conversations and implementing those consistently through effective systems and processes. Mm-hmm. What good is a quality conversation? If I forget to have the conversation right. because we get wrapped up talking about Flintstones, push pops or something like that.
1: Right. Well, and you guys, me know you guys developed a CRM
0: to handle yeah, that. So we, right. Exactly. We developed a CRM to handle that. And the, Agents that come into our network, a huge portion of them start using that CRM. It's got templates, pipelines, campaigns, all sorts of stuff already ready to go. They just need to plug their customer base into it, put their name on it and send it off. It doesn't have our name on it. I don't want your customers like you go get those. Right, right. Um, But in those two little changes alone. By just developing the marketing, that alone is going to take you from that 15 dollars $20,000, $30,000 a year mark to that $80,000 a year mark. That's the difference mm-hmm. is you're just in front of more people. What takes you from eighty dollars to $100,000 a year to $200,000, $250,000 a year is developing or improving the quality of your conversations and implementing effective systems and processes. So that's, that's at that level, that's my, my advice. If you're stuck there. You probably don't have an automated calendar. You're probably not utilizing a CRM like you should be. You're probably not following up like you should be. You have so much shit falling through the cracks. That's the difference between 80,000 a year and 160, 200, 250, right? Once you're stuck at at 250,000 a year, your biggest problem is probably scaling. You're not investing back into your agency in the form of human, human capital enough. You may say, and I have agents all the time that are like, oh, well, shit, I have a CSR. What is that doing for your revenue? Right. Probably nothing because most people don't run their CSRs as a revenue producing piece. They see it as a, as a sunk cost, yeah. right? I have to do it and blah, blah, blah. What a, what a shitty way to look at it. Number one, you sell through service. Your CSR should be making 2x revenue versus what you're paying your CSR if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. But number two, you should also be investing into the sell side, the, the revenue producing side. More marketers, more appointment setters, more closers, right? right? we got to scale and, and diversifying through your services at this point. Mm. So that's your biggest problem there that doing that alone. Like if you figure out and you implement a system that guarantees a quarter million dollars a year, and then you go hire five other people and you plug them into it, they're all going to take a piece home. They're going to make a good six figure income, right? But you're going to get to keep 50% on top of that. Now, all of a sudden you're doing 500, 700, 800,000 a year. And once you're doing that, you have this machine. It's just churning. Okay. And that's step number four. When you're stuck at five to seven hundred thousand a year, how do we break that million dollar mark? You have a machine that's churning, it's pumping in leads. You got five or ten people doing five leads a day each, right? Exactly what you taught yourself to do. And you've got effective systems and processes that all of them are utilizing to develop and and, and control those conversations. And cross-sell and everything in between. Great. And you're hiring and you're implementing and you're doing all these things with, with more and more individuals every single day, but you're still stuck at five to 700,000. Well, now it's time to step out of this machine that's converting on simple conversations like home auto and life insurance Mm -hmm. or health insurance or Medicare supplements. These are, these are entry-level conversations. And now we're going to start cross-selling advanced concept conversations. You're going to start doing commercial insurance. You're going to start doing bigger commercial Going to start doing group policies uh, in my case we started doing advanced wealth management concepts for the people that were already in our book I don't need to go look for millionaires eight percent of everybody in the United States has a net worth over a million yeah I just need to go get a hundred new clients uh, into my book of business and there's eight of them right there that have a net worth of a million dollars that I could potentially help yeah right and so now when you're able to do that the commissions the revenues on those big conversations, they're they're significant. They're 50, 100, 250, a million dollars for a single policy, Mm -hmm. right? You don't need many of those in a year to take your business from 700,000 a year to a million, 2 million, 5 million. But that's that's at each of those levels to answer your question, that would be my advice. If you're not making 50, 100,000 a year, somewhere in there, you need to focus on marketing more than anything. If you're not making 250,000, but you're making a hundred thousand, you need to focus on the quality of your conversations, which usually requires you getting the hell over yourself. You've got some ego investments and you think you're hot shit. You're not Otherwise, You'd be making a quarter million, right? So have better conversations, systems and processes. If you're making that and you're not going higher, invest in your business more, especially through human capital um, and resource management. Right. And then if you're stuck there, develop more advanced conversations. So, and I want to point
1: out that, The advice that you just gave about scaling your insurance agency is really advice for every business owner out there. What you described, that journey, is what I went through with my business, right? And what everybody should be going through with theirs if they want to continue to grow it, right? And then the second piece of it is because you are in insurance, you have more premium products out there that give you more margin or commission in your case, right? Right. And uh, it's, it's in your existing consumer base. You just have to go yeah. and find it and, and propose it to them and then market it to them. You're marketing within your own house again, right, and getting a better ROI out of your consumer because of it. So that's, that, that's massive there. So
0: exactly.
1: So for Rev, um, is this something that's sellable? Is this your life's work? Is this something that you're going to – is there a next step to what you guys are doing over there?
0: Um, soluble for me, like as an exit strategy, mm-hmm. is that what we're, um, yeah. So the way we built it, obviously I'm the face of it right now. You've got to have a face attached at some point. Um, but we're already getting to the point where, um, and we just launched Rev less than 18 months ago. Um, oh, that's,
1: I, I thought it was like five years old. It sounded like no, it was five years old. already. That's no, awesome. we just
0: launched it. I mean, I've been coaching for that long, but we just launched this reiteration, this platform just 18 months ago mm-hmm. and already in 18 months, we've got hundreds of agents um, in behind what you would consider your paywalls. We've got thousands within the community as a whole. Um, and we're already having agents work their way through the program. Um, and just, you know, we always say do the work they're doing the work to the point where I can have them start stepping in and teaching other agents. So like our, our um, low level group, it's 50 bucks a month. Yeah, It's 50 damn dollars a month to learn how to plug five leads a day, um, into your CRM, is, like clockwork, right?
1: Is that the group that's got 3000?
0: Um, no, that one's got several hundred. Our, uh, our 3000 group is an attached group, but it's not technically part of a Gotcha. gotcha. So, um, but in that group, I'm not doing, I'm doing a, one training a quarter. Now I have other members of the group who started there and have worked their way up yeah. doing all the training. So they're starting to take over the face and and it isn't about them it's about the information that's there that's Mm -hmm. good right and true and the work we're gonna do
1: right that's that's massive because you're creating an opportunity structure in your groups as well as within rev and it's for people that aren't even necessarily earning money through rev yet but they can be if they step into that leadership role which is you just you you have your candidate pool in within your own um
0: consumer base (laughs) which is awesome It's freaking cool. And the coolest thing is, is you've got, it's one of the very, there's, in fact, I'll just say, I haven't found another organization that does it to the level we do. There's some that are pretty decent. Mm -hmm. We've got, you know, we've got a state farm agent, per se, in Virginia, that's about to present on their first XYZ policy, and they're, they're scared to do it. And they've never done it. And inside this community, you know, we've got all these agents in all these places um working for all these companies that have already been through that and so the state farm agent will throw up a, a post in in the community and like hey is there anyone that has some advice or input and within five minutes we've got three four five eight insurance agents with other companies mm-hmm. technically their competition right yeah. on the phone with them role-playing and hey here's my here's my sales forms that I use for this it helps me kind of work through it and remember what to say and Dude, it is it is the coolest thing. But that, like you say, it is a there's a lot that I can teach and give, but I feel like at the end of the day, most of these people already know. They already know a lot of this stuff. I'm able to help pull them out of their shell a little bit. Yeah. Um and, and lead that conversation. But more and more they're starting to take take over the conversation and do it better than than I ever could just prior to what we'd started building. Nobody had the balls to just say, Nobody's better than anybody else. Like mm-hmm. you can all be phenomenally wealthy right where you're at. Your insurance is all the same. It's another version of the same bullshit. Yeah. The thing that matters is how empathetic you are, how much you care in your application of those coverages, taking care of those clients, and how effectively you can grow a revenue model. Because if you can't be in business, you're not going to take care of anybody, right? That's
1: that's massive because that's another that's another level for a visionary to where, all right, my business is… Gain so much momentum and growth that now the growth comes organically and it doesn't come from my idea or my execution anymore. It's 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 taking on a life of its own, right? And uh, I think we all want to get there to where our business grows by itself because we've created the roadmap for it too, and it becomes. Dude, it is.
0: It is so cool. So we, I started this thing years ago. It's, it's something I've implemented in my business where we do uh, pension reviews for public employees, school teachers, municipal employees, et cetera. And in doing that, we're able to sell a lot of life insurance and a lot of annuities mm-hmm. and assets under management, like mutual funds and all, all sorts of opportunities by providing these complimentary pension reviews. Right. And we took that and we, we built a blueprint out of it. It's not even a blueprint. It's a, it's a turnkey business. The CRMs are there that sales tools, all the templates, like agents come in and we teach them how to do it. They don't even have to type up their own email. It's already there. It already has their name on it. Like it's, it's ready to go. But we took that from my agency, from something we do. And we started giving it, we just literally gave it to this community of agents. We're trying to help elevate regardless Mm -hmm. of company or carrier. Here's how you do it. Here's how it is. Right. Give them the model. Exactly. We gave them this model. And within the community, to the point where we're talking about right now, within this community, you know, it's been because I'm a little bit removed from it. It's been two, three years since I've gone through some of those templates, some of those pipelines and automations mm-hmm. um, and whatever. And a couple members of this community that jumped in and went from selling no life insurance and no assets under management, no annuities to doing 10, 15, 20,000 a month in revenue in less than 60 days with this model yeah um what they've done is they've taken it and now they're working together colluding i mean again across different companies carriers all over the nation they're colluding together together to rewrite the templates and um uh, and the campaigns make them a little more relevant yeah. pre-covid uh environment is very different than post-covid environment and so there's different language we want to use there's some different terms and process and they're doing the whole thing. I'm not having to do any of it and, and relaunching this thing as a community resource. Um, And it's, I mean, it's just absolutely massive, but, but to your point, like I didn't ask him to do that. Mm -hmm. They just, they're catching the fire. They're catching the vision that there is so much out there for all of us. If we'll collude together, Mm -hmm. we'll all have more. If we fail to, we're going to continue in this same cycle of perpetuated bullshit where 92% of you are out of business six months from now. And it's, it's cool, man. It's really cool.
1: That's massive. That that segues into my, my last question, which, you know, obviously that's taken on a life of its own and that's going to be a huge part of your legacy, you know? And uh, so my last question is what, you know, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy are you going to leave behind?
0: Yeah. um, I've thought a lot about that. And I think, it's a lot less than, or, or it's a, a lot less. Uh, Glamorous. Yeah. It's kind of anticlimactic, frankly, but, okay. but it means something to me. So like my legacy, I like, I can give a shit about jets and boats and this and that and the other. What I look at is I go back to when my first boy was born. Both my boys ended up in NICU for a while. Mm-hmm. And again, we just started this insurance business. I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. Right. I remember sitting there in the in the chair in Nikki with my boy. Um, I was alone with him. My wife was asleep. Got tubes coming out of him, needles all over, and I'm just holding him. He's so tiny. They give you these like green, what do they call them? I don't even remember. The sucker things. Mm-hmm. Um, pacifiers. They, yeah. Pacifiers. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it's like this green one, but it's he's so small it literally covers all of his face except for like his eyes, yeah. right? and he's his eyes are closed and i'm just staring at him in the depths of despair like woe is me woe is me right Mm -hmm. and he opened just one eye and it was like you you know you've seen a show where uh, you just like zoom into the universe and it just felt like that i just got lost for just a a moment in his eyes Mm -hmm. and um and just everything started making sense and clicking. And since then, it I've just had this overwhelming feeling of I I don't even want for me I want for them. Right. And I've caught onto this this mindset to to the point of legacy mm-hmm. that that I feel like is a very driving force for me. And the mindset is really a realization that the propensity of mankind is to simply want to do a little bit better than your daddy did before you. You know, to that point, that's all I'd wanted. I want to do a little bit better than my old man did. That's it. That's what most people want. But I want to make damn sure. And in that moment, I realized I want to make damn sure that if that's all my boys end up wanting, they never want more than to do just a little bit better than me. Mm -hmm. I want so fucking much for them that a little bit better than what I did is something significant and impactful and will change the world for forever. And so I've got to set the bar so damn high so that Mm -hmm. if all they do is a little bit better than me that they're leaving their own legacy by default and to me that's that's legacy that's what i'm trying to do so i know it's ambiguous and anticlimactic but that's it
1: no but it makes so much sense you know you know a lot of people talk a lot about being the one for their family right and maybe it's not necessarily the one but maybe you just accelerated your family tree in terms of legacy you know by a couple hundred years instead of just the years that you actually lived. You know what I'm saying? Like you accelerated their mindset. You accelerated their values. You know, you you accelerated their uh, ability to earn so much more in your lifetime than anybody did before you, you know? Right. And so uh, I love that. That's a great answer. I appreciate that. So, Carson, uh, if we have anybody listening that wants to reach out, wants to join your groups... Uh, once insurance, <laughs> I'm sure you have a few people in between you and them, but uh, they want to reach out. What, where's the best place for that?
0: Yeah, honestly, uh, we'll go right back to Facebook. I think Facebook is the best place. Mm-hmm. Find me on Facebook. Um, I think I sent you my Facebook link. I don't yeah. know if you're gonna throw that up, but shoot me a message on Facebook. I answer 100% of all my messages myself. I don't have my team do it, I do it. Um I run my own Facebook account so if you message me I guarantee you'll get a response if you're a dickhead to me I'll be a dickhead back if you're good to me I'll be good back I can guarantee that too. Um but that's that's the best place. Um you know we can talk about phone numbers and emails and this and that and the other but I've got so many businesses at this point they all have their own email and phone number. Right, right. Facebook is the one place it comes back to man and cuz that's where everybody already is. You're already there. Look me up. Hit yeah. me up.
1: No, that's perfect, and we'll include all that in the show notes as well as uh, links to your groups and everything. So if they just want to get in, involved with you that way, they can. Hey, yeah. this was a, uh, got to say, this was probably a top five for me, and I've done probably 75, okay. 76 now, man. So, um, I you know, I just it. love the way the, the conversation went and so much of what you're talking about. You know, although people might get doubted in on insurance, it really is just building a business, you know. And uh, That's how you were able to take it from door to door to actually being uh, a, a coach to thousands now is, is, is pretty amazing. So it was an honor. Appreciate you having, uh, appreciate, appreciate you jumping on the podcast, brother.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me and letting me spread the good word or the good word as I see it anyway.
1: So, no. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's get building. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts and subscribe so you're notified when we release new content. Great sales teams aren't recruited. They are built brick by brick. Let's get building.